Hey, Pam, I have a question for you. What do you got, Ryan? So are you ready to get back to school and crowd in there with all those people? (laughs) Uh, Not really, Ryan. I know this may come as a surprise to some, but uh, it's been many years since I've had to be in a classroom. Hello all and welcome back to, or welcome to a very special all new Voice of Loveland, the podcast for ionloveland.com. I am your host, the Loveland Tadler, R.D. Kulik, and with me is, I mean, Pam, I could have sworn you were just in school maybe two or three years ago by the looks and how old I think you are, and that's the greatest other host, Pam Gross. How are you today, Pam? I'm good. You're very sweet, Ryan, but it has been an extremely long time. So welcome, everyone. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, Pam. I so much want to talk about what's going on up in Columbus and what the effects are down here. For those of you that love to listen to our show but know nothing else, probably one of the biggest political bribery scandals I have ever seen. And I've worked in this business since the 20th century, Pam, so it's been a while. What's going on with the Speaker of the Ohio House and everything and just some of the local races and how that could affect stuff is big, big news. And maybe maybe that's where we'll launch our other podcast. But no, today we got to talk about the Loveland School District. How do you feel about that? We do have to talk about the schools, but I'm with you. If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, you need to definitely start Googling the Ohio Speaker of the House, Larry Householder. I believe it's the largest bribery case in the state of Ohio. It probably is going to end up being one of the largest bribery cases in politics, period. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big one. It's Unbelievable. A, yes, and, it's and, a very... and the tentacles it has, as I heard someone on the radio today, this is definitely a story that has legs because there are a lot, a lot of politicians who took money from this man. Yeah, and, and like a lot I, of them are local. That's what I say. And we may have a, a local bend to this, Hamilton, Claremont County bend to it in the near future. And when that happens, we will discuss that. But no, we haven't discussed the Loveland City Schools, the Loveland School Board. We haven't discussed them in a couple of months because I think the last time we were, two of the board members, uh, former chair Art Jarvis and newer board member Ned Portune, had both stepped down. They were replaced by two people. They've been doing all their line, all their meetings virtually, and unlike the Loveland City Council, which hey, get everybody get ready, I'm going to say something good about them in comparison to the schools. That is, they don't save their meetings and post their meetings, so you can't go, you basically have to watch them live. Is uh, the only way you're going to see what the school board actually talks about for all the issues we have with the transparency of our Loveland City Council, which are big issues. The school board is somehow worse when it comes to transparency. Well, they're also tone deaf. Well, yes, there is that, too. I mean, clearly. So the first big story, the big news is they have declined to put a levy on the November ballot. And a lot of people are like, oh, look, they're being responsible. Okay, I'm going to give you all some real talk right here, Pam. They did it because they knew it was going to fail. And they knew it was going to fail spectacularly. They decided not to do that. Also, they talked about all this money they have. And Like we discussed uh, last week with the city council trying to get their super secret garage moron plan going, there's all this federal money through the CARES Act and all this other stuff that the schools are tapping into. So they're able to close these short-term revenue holes that are in the budget. Now, having said that, Pam, there's no damn way they're going to keep getting that money. So Guys, they're going to have to put another levy on the ballot because this board and Dr. Krause have squandered our resources here. So I just wanted to put that out there. Do you have anything to say about that? 
You're exactly right. Right now, you know, you've got all of these local municipalities. City of Loveland is one of them that basically is thinks that this is a never ending pot of money because of this pandemic. Quite frankly, number one, it is eventually going to dry up. And uh, I just, I, I, it's so irresponsible, Ryan. I don't really have any words to describe it. The money is out there for a specific reason and a specific purpose. It's not to fund your wish list. And unfortunately, that's how some of these municipalities are, are looking at that money. And I think as in regards to the schools, whether, you know, that's the case with the schools, I, I don't know. What I do know is that this is a short-term solution to a very long-term problem that the school district doesn't seem to want to address. So everybody patted them on the back for making the most logical decision on the planet. Let's talk about the most illogical decision that they could have made. Hey, we've been very transparent about what this is, Pam. You don't have any kids, and I have one. I have the one that is in this school district right now. So we come at this from two different ways. But for those people that say, well, Pam, you don't have a right to say because you don't have kids. I've worked on school issues a good portion of my career. And a lot of times, and we're not going to go so much into this, but a lot of times people will say, well, good schools mean your housing value is higher than it would be. That's actually kind of a myth. But in the case of someone like you, Pam, where everybody's like, you can't have an opinion on this because you don't have kids. No, you absolutely can have an opinion because you pay taxes. And yes, pay, I have a, I have a vested interest. So no doubt. when people tell you you can't say anything, that's taxation without representation. I didn't just make up that little term right there, people. It actually sits right on the license plate if you live in Washington, D.C., which I think is totally awesome. Not living in Washington, D.C., but the fact that they're basically saying that. But that goes all the way back to our founding fathers, Pam, and the founding of this nation and this idea of taxation without representation. So anybody that pays money to the Loveland City School District has every right to have an equal voice in this. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Second thing is the school board in a virtual Zoom meeting, so none of them were in the same room. They were all spread out amongst their homes because uh, there's a pandemic going on. The COVID-19 is still out there. So they know that. They're trying to keep themselves uh, safe. And in late July, they informed the parents, which I'm going to even bring this further. They have not informed all the parents. As a matter of fact, the only thing we've gotten officially is an email from Dr. Krause saying, oh, we're going to present all our plans to you all near the end of July. But we're all going to have to decide by the 1st of August whether or not if you have a kid in the schools, if you send them to school, which will be at full capacity, five days a week, they're going to hopefully or say they want people to wear masks, and we'll get into all that stuff here in a minute, or you can do online only. Now, as a comparison here, my, um, my uh, nephew and niece that live in St. Louis – my other nieces that live in Columbia, Missouri, I'm not sure about their schooling yet, but I'm sure it's the same. They're doing a hybrid system where, you know, my last name is Kulik, and so that is the same name of my nephew and nieces because it's my brother. They're doing, they're splitting their classes up. So half of the students, I guess, A through K or whatever, go Tuesday and Thursday, and then the other half go Monday and Wednesday, and then the other days is online. It's a hybrid system. The reason they're doing that, Pam, is because they don't want all these people gathered together. Because if we've learned anything about coronavirus is the more we encourage people to gather together, the more the disease accelerates. So yes, I'm a little heated. I'm going to let you take it and just what are your thoughts on this whole 
you either go five days a week, full capacity, or you do all online. Well, I want to go back. I'll start with something that you said in regards to the property taxes. I think, and you've called it a myth, and I'm, I agree with that. I think that we've kind of been sold a bag of goods in regards to the fact that if you have a good school district, which equates into higher property taxes, that somehow that keeps your home prices at a higher level. I don't actually think that's really true. I wish we could get away from that whole sentiment because I don't actually think that's true. And I think off, you know, Mike, you and I talked about this and I said, if that was actually the case, because the Cincinnati Public Schools is not con- considered a great school no. district, how do you explain Hyde Park? I mean, it's- Hyde Park has great property values, and they're in a crappy school district. So I personally don't really buy that. I think that is a way for a lot of people just to you know, justify higher property taxes. So I just kind of want to throw that out. But I want to start with, because I think you and I kind of, I, I think in a way you and I kind of disagree without dis. We kind of disagree, but we don't really disagree. <laughs> no, I know right. that sounds strange. I'm a big proponent, and I do believe that the schools need to reopen. I just want to be very clear on that because I think that you have to look at it. Number one, education is considered a core value of, of our country, okay? And so that's why I think it's important that schools be open. Having said that, though, you have to find a safe way to reopen them. You can't just open them for the sake of opening them. And I think that's where, on the one hand, your disagreement, my dis- that's why we're not really in disagreement, because both of us understand education is important. Schools have to be open. The main thing is, is they have to be opened in a safe way. And that's one of the things that's kind of concerning to me in regards to what the school board has done and whatever policy it is that they are enacting to open the schools, because I want to know what went into coming to that decision. And I think that you have to look at scientific studies. You have to look at what the CDC says. You have to look at what other countries have done in regards to reopening. We have to have those kind of conversations. And like what you said, too, is you had a staggered, because I know that in some other countries, they did something that was somewhat similar. Uh, Some countries actually adopted that. But what they also did was they looked at and said, okay, we're going to have school maybe one or two times a week, and then the other, you know, three days may be remote learning. And they did that so that they could ease their way into seeing whether or not the schools were safe and whether or not there was a spread of virus. And I think that that is kind of important to keep in mind. The other thing is, is they also talked about and the CDC talks about this. You have to have mat. You have to wear masks. You have to have social distancing. You can't move from building to building. You have to have smaller classroom sizes. I don't know how that's being implemented through our school school district. It's just, I guess, what my issue is is I haven't heard a lot of the specifics of how this is going to work, and that's my concern because, like I said. We have to reopen the schools. On so You have to have schools open. Education is fundamental. It's not only the education itself. It's for also the societal uh, impact that it has on kids and, and people. And then you can't discount the economic impact that having the schools closed. Parents have to have certainty. They have to work. They have to be able to work. But we have to have safe schools. 
I don't disagree with anything you said, and I, I want everybody to to hear me loud and clear. I 100% believe schools need to open. I 100% want to go ride that new Orion roller coaster over at Kings Island. I 100% want to go to Great American Ballpark and watch the Reds play. I want to 100% defend my undefeated fantasy football season from last year with my brother and all of his friends, even though I did lose in the playoffs, so I guess I wasn't undefeated. But anyways, I 100% want all that stuff. Pam, I also 100% want a Bugatti Veyron sports car. I don't have the millions of dollars to buy that. There's a lot of things I want, but there's a lot of things that cannot happen for other reasons. And I think that's where the disconnect is coming amongst people. I know damn well that there are kids whose both parents work out of the house. I know that. And I know the economy is affected by that right now because of what they have to do with their kids. I also know that if that kid goes to school and, again, whatever the science, whatever anything says, but somehow that kid gets his parents sick and his parents are now home with an illness that, again, isn't deadly to the vast majority of people, but it can be an illness we don't know a lot about, we're going to have a much bigger problem. I also know that here in the city of Loveland, that it's our council only seems to give a damn about opening up bars and restaurants and getting people to gather as much as possible. So I know these same parents that go to these schools, if they're going downtown to go have a drink and watch a band, you know what? You're right. They're going to start spreading the illness. The point is, every single time since this has happened that we've said, we need to do this. We need to reopen the beaches. We need to reopen the bars. We need to reopen the restaurants. The disease accelerates every single time. And now they're like, oh, we need to reopen the schools. It will accelerate. Those board members, I don't know what they're going to do with their kids or their grandkids or whoever they have that are going to school. I don't know what decision they're going to make. But as leaders, they should tell us those decisions. As leaders, Dr. Krause should say what she's going to do. Because it's obvious that this board has not come up with any ideas. There's a the show The Simpsons, the character of Ned Flanders. There's an episode where Flash is back to him being a kid, and he's a really hyper kid, and his parents are trying to calm him down, and his parents are are beatniks. They're, you know, kind of hipstery people. And Flanders' mom says, Doctor, we've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. That's what the Loveland City School Board is. We tried nothing, and now we're out of ideas. They're doing the easiest path possible for them to get the mob off their back, to get people to say, oh, well, you should go to school. They're not thinking of the kids. They're not thinking about what's the smart way to do this. And everything we talk about, social distancing and masks are key. But you and I both damn well know, Pam, that there's going to be parents out there that are going to say, my kid doesn't have to wear a mask. And I don't know how many times I have to tell this to people. Me wearing the mask doesn't protect me, jerk. It protects you. So you wearing a mask protects me. Also, something else I want to say, you know a lot of those kids that are not going to be wearing masks, they're either going to get picked on or they're going to pick on all the kids wearing masks. I mean, kids are not adults, and most adults tend to kind of suck, Pam. So (laughs) it's... And the last thing I'm going to say before I give it back over to you, Pam, is Loveland's not unique in opening up five days a week and stuff, but you know what? It doesn't make it right that you do what everybody else says. Social distance, masks required, that is what has to happen. Here's the thing. It's very important for people to be, for people in positions, leadership positions as they are, to adopt policies that address long-term solutions and not the short term. 
it's important that they not be reactive. And that seems like how they're approaching all of this. Not to mention the fact that I don't know what went into that whole decision making. But I want to backtrack a little bit because we do have to talk about the fact that it is scientifically through all of the studies have shown that overall that kids, children don't really develop the virus and that when they do develop the virus or have any kind of symptoms for the virus, they're not as severe as they are in an adult. And so for them to get the virus isn't the same as for someone like me or you to get the virus. Having said that, however, though, they can spread the virus and they can spread it to their parents, to their grandparents, to teachers who may have compromising immune systems. And that is really the big problem. The problem isn't necessarily that the virus is running around in the school. The problem is, is that they venture out into the community. And that's why I appreciate what you said, because we don't have any idea what they're doing once they leave the school. And honestly, Ryan, our community has shown and our leadership in the council of our community has shown that they don't particularly take this virus that seriously. They were more concerned about open the bars up, run around, do this, do that. And that's where the problem is with the reopening of the schools. If the community doesn't have good safety policies and protocols and they're not following them, how in the world, whatever you're doing over here in the schools is going to make any sense? It's not. And then the other thing is you brought up is that parents themselves, that's the thing is this, once again, we go back to what I said about the CDC and you look at what other countries have done. You have to wear a mask. You have to, you know, wash your hands. You have to have social distancing. You have to have smaller class sizes, all of those things. Are parents going to help? Are they going to cooperate? And that's a big concern for me in regards to this whole reopening of the schools. Because parents out there, guys, seriously, if you don't take wearing a mask seriously, how in the world is your kid going to take wearing a mask in school seriously? All of these policies aren't going to matter if the parent, if we don't have the help and cooperation of parents. You're going to have to be responsible in this. The other thing is, and something you didn't mention, and I think you actually mentioned it off mic, is that you also have to look at the practicality of this. One of the policies that they that the school board has adopted says that they have to wear masks on the bus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know how hot it sometimes gets in September well, and October? And it's not like it's a two-minute bus ride. No. And you're talking about kids. I mean, who? number one, who wants to wear a mask? I don't, but I do because it's for the good of the community and it's good to protect others. That's why we do it. But the kids, I mean, they're uncomfortable. They got to rub their nose. I mean, I don't know. Well, so uh, when Dr. Krause and the board says all this stuff that was good for the kids, for their psychology, it's good for this, it's good for this, it's good for this. The thing they keep forgetting about, and again, I don't disagree with any of that stuff. But you know what? You can't live life the way you lived it last year. We are in a different time. We are in a unique time. We are at a time, Pam, on September 10th, 2001, I could walk right up to the jetway even if I wasn't getting on an airplane. You can't do that anymore. And some people may think we overreacted or some people might think we didn't react hard enough, whatever. But the point is, society has changed and we need to change with it. 
And for that board and the superintendent to be, we tried nothing and we're all out of ideas, that should be the biggest siren to everyone. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what the consequences are. I don't care what their plan is, okay? I do care what science says. And yeah, there's a lot of different opinions out there, but the most consistent one is social distancing and masks work. And the school is, we're going to encourage masks, or the school is, we're going to try to do social distancing. Again, none of this try, do. Another quote, favorite movie, one of my favorite movies ever, ever, Empire Strikes Back. Yoda says, there is no try. (laughs) You know, that's, I can't get over how poorly they did this. And then they're going to give parents a week to figure out what they want to do. You know, I've decided, and I know the consequences. I've decided my kid is staying at home. I can do that. You know, we can feed our child. We can give him the intellectual nurturing he needs. We can do that. And I know not every parent can do that. The school needs to invest in those parents that can't do that and figure out the best way to keep those kids safe. I am making that decision for my kid. My wife and I made it. We all, all three of us sat down. We discussed it. I think our dog chimed in on it. And I mean, we all sat and discussed it. He is this first semester. He is staying home. And I'm looking at every single option to move him out of the Loveland City School District. And I know people are going to be like, well, Ryan, you never supported the schools anyways. First off, you don't know me. And you don't know why I moved here. And you don't know the affection that my wife and I have for public schools. And you don't know what I went through and why I chose Loveland. When you know that stuff, then you can say otherwise. But I do not trust this board or superintendent, so I'm going to do everything I can to move my child out of the school. And my child is a higher-achieving student, Pam. He's 10, and his mathematics is, is surpassing mine, which isn't saying much. I'm not that good. But he's, I mean, he's a good student. He gets good grades. Is maybe not the most well-behaved student because his mind tends to wander and he likes to hang out with his bros. But I am looking at taking that type of student out of Loveland schools and putting him into somewhere else. As a matter of fact, Pam, the day this podcast goes out, I will be administering the uh, PSAT, the pre-SAT. It's a test given to ninth graders. I'm going to be administering that to him to see if he can get into the special online academy. I can make that decision. I have a feeling, Pam, that a lot of people in my position, in my family's position, are making the same decisions. So why is Loveland doing this at risk of losing parents like us? I don't know. But that's the consequence. There's no answer to that. But Pam, that's what I'm doing. There is no answer to it. Okay, so here's my question. And this is my concern. And again, I do not have any children in the school district. Why I don't have an emotional interest from the child, I do have a monetary interest. And I do want what is best for the community as a whole and the school district as a whole. Because any time that that thrives and does well, we all do well. So we all have an interest. But here's my questions. In regards to the school board, because we know that they're not transparent. I mean, for crying out loud, they're going to reopen the schools and let all the kids come. Maybe they'll wear masks. Maybe they'll do, or they're going to do whatever they can in order to do that. They won't even do their meetings in person. No. And I will say, Pam, their next meeting it needs to be in person. They all have to oh, sit right next, and they have to all because, sit right next to each other yeah, that's because that's what they expect our, our kids to do. Yes. With a mask. That's what they expect because our kids I to do. I find that just hypocritical to begin with. But once again, 
the decision about reopening the schools, here's my question, and this is for everyone out there. Was it driven by the school leaders and the parents and what were factors that it was based on? So that's my first and foremost is when you came to these policies and this decision, I want to know what data, who you talked to specifically. I mean, was it a collaborative effort? Because I think you told me, Ryan, that maybe they sent something out to parents. Yeah, survey. I mean, number one, well, when did they send it out? And what were the results? But more importantly, I, I who do, participated? I, I do believe they have all that in their meeting. I do want to I do want to give them credit for that, Pam. But okay. But that's, I mean, fine, that's mob rule. You want the mob to decide. Obviously, the mob that is Loveland yeah, but has made the, the wrong decision. <laughs> I guess this is, no, Ryan, this is my point, though, is we hear this crap all the time from the city, the city council. Well, we sent out a survey and we had 500 people who responded. We have 13,000 people in our city. So I guess that's my question is, if they sent this out, what was the percentage of people that actually returned it? And as you said, did we just get a small percentage and then mm-hmm. we base this around that small percentage? Because if that's the case, that's not acceptable. Well, now it's, it's, mi- it's now minority rule. Exactly. It's tyranny of the minority. Yeah. But Okay. Throw that aside. Okay, people chose not to participate. We got the low numbers. We got mob rule. So we've adopted these new policies. We're going to reopen our schools. How are you going to monitor them? And then more importantly, how are you going to measure them? And then how are you going to adjust them? Because those are important issues. If you find that that's not working, or if you find that kids aren't wearing the mask or they're not doing something. How are you going to address that? I mean, look, guys, you want your schools open? Fine. Close all your bars. And we well, know damn well that's not going to happen in love. I know. And that I guess that's my point is that if you don't have any way of monitoring it and adjusting it and measuring it, then the only thing that you are going to do is exactly what I said in the beginning. You're going to be reactive. And then that reaction is going to be closing the schools again. Mm-hmm. So where does that get us? It gets us nowhere. So that means your policy sucked to begin with because you didn't do what you're supposed to do to to be able to keep them open and to be able to have kids. We go back to being able to get an education. So I'm I'm very concerned about that because we don't ever seem to have any. They pass these laws and they say what these rules are, but it always seems like the rules are really about them and what's convenient to them, and not really about the people they serve. God, Pam, that sounds like Rob's Law. It is Rob's (laughs) Law. You know, we see that all the time out of city council again. They do stuff all the time that is convenient to them and could care less about the people they serve. And we just saw it on display last week with Rob's Law. We pass a law for the benefit of one person who, by his own admission, says it was passed. Mm -hmm for him, with no care or concern to the people they serve. And it sounds to me like the school district is doing the same thing. Yeah. And that's a shame because, Ryan, like I said, we have a real opportunity here to actually fix something that is actually fundamentally broken. Well, and that's why I said from my my personal decision, Pam, I mean, a year ago at this time, well, probably 11 months ago at this time, 
I've always supported every single school levy. That's something I've believed in. My wife and I are strong, strong, strong believers in the public education. I think most people would say they're they're believers in that kind of idea. In less than a year, Pam, I've gone from that to I will change the way my child goes to school. And this is the last thing I'm going to say on this topic. (laughs) Obviously, I have to do our credits. But Pam, Christmas 2020, I hope I'm wrong. I hope all you guys are just tearing Pam and I apart and saying, look, fear mongers, you guys are all wrong. You, you're you just a doom and gloom. The sky is falling chicken little. I pray that's what happens. I do. And I'm sincere about that. And I said this back in March when I was first dealing with this on the governmental level, dealing with what the coronavirus looks like. I said, in the end, I hope we all look back and say we overreacted because I told this to my son. When he's in college and they, he and his roommates or friends are talking about 2020, I hope he remembers being bored and not being sad because people he loved got sick and died. So I hope we're wrong. I fear we're not. I hope we're wrong too, Ryan. I mean, I want the virus. I mean, I want. I would like to go back to my normal life. Thank you very much. <laughs> But I want to say two things, and I'll end it with two things. The first thing is, is I implore the parents to be responsible and to please be cooperative in regards to sending your kid back to school and making sure that they understand and you understand as well that they have to social distance, they have to wear a mask, and they have to wash their hands. And we all know that kids are not very good at washing their hands. I mean, shoot, most adults aren't even good at washing their hands. So maybe something good has come out of this. Yes. (laughs) But it's important that if this is the policy, and it is, that these schools are adopting, that parents have to be responsible with their own children in making sure that's done. The second thing is that's equally important is that if the school district is not going to do the responsible thing and making sure that kids are social distanced, that they wear their masks, all the same things, you always have to remember that when the parents believe that the public schools can no longer be trusted, that those parents will find new options for their students or for their kids. It's that simple. And that's why this is really, really important that this be done properly. Well, with all that being said, the Voice of Loveland, the podcast for ionloveland.com, is a production of Ion Community. This episode was engineered, mixed, and socially distanced through teleconferencing Pam by Pam Gross and Ryan Kulik. And the music is always by my father-in-law, Sherrod Sate. I don't know what more to say. It's This is a frustrating topic, and it's uh, it's unfortunate that it's unfortunate that we just don't have stronger leadership. I, leaders lead, not follow. They also mm. lead by example. Yeah. And we don't get a lot of that. And that, that's the other unfortunate part is that if you're going to venture out into the community, we all have to be responsible citizens. Yeah. And remember, Pam and I are residents of this community. We are shareholders in the schools. I, I know what you guys like to discuss behind the scenes, but, uh, You guys know how to reach us. I'm more than happy to give you my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please be informed, be involved, be influential. 